and welcome to the Beginner's Handbook. I'm Jordan. I'm Jimmy. And in this episode, we are going to talk about heavy role-playing games or a lot of role-play in a game and how you might handle that as a GM. Yeah, so <clears throat> as well as us talking about it, we'll give a quick sort of definition, I think, of what we would consider heavy or a lot of role-playing or in-depth role-playing, whatever what you want to think about it, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards or forwards, depending on how we talk about it, from kind of light to heavy. Yeah, so I think then we'll just start with the usual stuff. Uh, the first question I have for, this is maybe more around players, but how do you feel about heavy role-playing games? I know that I used to, whenever I heard people talking about d and I was like, that's too much for me. Then I would play Cthulhu, which was my gateway drug into role-playing games. Uh, but then I was like, okay, I would never do that. Then I've spoke to LARPers, like that's as heavy role-play as you can get. But what do you think about role-playing or heavy role-playing games or in-depth role-playing uh, in your games? Uh, do you find them immersive? Uh, do you find it maybe too difficult? Even now I find it kind of hard sometimes, like especially when you're running a game, you've got six or seven characters, it can be kind of hard to get into all their head spaces and speak to four players at different mm-hmm. times. So I would love to just hear your opinion on that. But also, uh, if you're a GM and you are into in-depth role-playing in your games, what tips do you have for people either listening or watching, uh, or even for us to have? It's certainly an area of, of uh, role-play that I, I do bits of it, sometimes I do voices, sometimes I don't. I'm not very good at the voices, which is why I don't do them in the first place for the most part. But I know people that really do get into it, and even and as in-depth as changing your lighting and all that, that's a fun one. Um, but... That's what we'd like to ask you uh, as the GM, if you've got any tips for anyone else. Yeah, so that all being done, that all being said, let's move on to some form of kind of definition so that everybody knows what we're talking about when we're talking about heavy RP. And if anybody thinks that that's light out there, then well done. Uh, you're, you're probably you're a, a LARPer. Than me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you probably <laughs> like, are, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. The way I said it, I wasn't getting it, LARPers. Um, <laughs> Certainly there's a game that I've just got um, over that holiday period. <coughs> uh, as people know, Vampire the Masquerade, it turns out it's very self-aware when it comes to LARPing some of the stuff in the games. Like, if you want to be some form of cult leader, you could be a LARPer or something like that. It's going, that's really, that's really hardcore. Um, but, yeah, so I think then for me, the way I would define, like, heavy role-playing is when you're kind of asking... I would say the GM's part of this as well, but if players are often only really referring to people as uh, their mm-hmm. character names or mm-hmm. talking as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to stay in the mind, basically, of uh, of their character. Uh, and the GM's probably talking to them directly as a character, maybe uh, also talking to them via NPCs, all in character, mm-hmm. even actually presenting NPCs in a way that's just, it's almost as if you're talking to that NPC in real life. To me, that's heavier role-playing games because certainly there's ways for you to do the details at a very higher, much higher level, maybe make it more narrative than immersive. I talk about narrative a lot, but if you're immersed in that character and you're getting players at the table to be immersed in their characters, for me, that's what constitutes mm-hmm. heavy RP. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> pretty much agree with everything Jordan said there. Um, and I, I kind of very, very quick way of kind of analysing and figuring out what kind of game you're in is the GM talking to your character via another character and are they spending a minimum amount of time giving you descriptions of places and asking you, the individual, what you want to do 
<clears throat> so if it's very much character to character, and that's rather than player to player, that's GM to player, then it's probably pretty pretty heavy and pretty pretty RP focused. Yeah, I mean to give you an example, I might touch on this a bit later, but even from the case of like visiting a shopkeeper, there's games I've watched that's been or sorry, being two, it's been almost unbearable, quite frankly, because it's like literally everything is like heavy role play. So you're speaking to the shopkeeper, the, the GM's narrating how he checks his stock and all that, and then referring back and asking for gold and bartering, which is fine generally, but there's like, there's a level that becomes a bit like too, too deep for me. Um, but that's what I consider like heavy shop RP. But whereas I'll fluctuate a lot between heavy and light RP in my games, but a light way to do that would just go, what are you looking for? The shopkeeper has it, it's this amount of gold. And you can do that transaction in a fraction of the time, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's like an example between like what we mean with the immersive RP versus something that's just more, more descriptive, maybe narrative. Um, yeah, yeah. And again, like Jordan's saying, if it's something that's kind of in the middle, then the GM might give you... RP moments like from one of the NPCs to one of your characters but again you're in a shop you're looking for this you're looking for that right do a roll do this do that whatever there you go like done <clears throat> and again like going even further down the scale to where it's it's really really light you know it's the absolute bare minimum time that characters are talking to each other and it's very much on what you want to do and a lot of the RP is probably going to be with the players rather than directly backwards and forwards between everybody. Yeah. So that's perfect. And that kind of leads us into, I think the first point that I want to talk about is how to structure a game in a way that can facilitate heavy RP. I think, by the way, the golden rule for me, I'll maybe touch this just before we finish to summarise, but I'm saying it now in case I forget, um, is to be flexible with it because there's going to be times where heavy RP either is a bit sluggish or it just it, it's just easier to just say it to somebody so they can get the gist of a character's confused about a detail you can just say by the way and instead of making them role play asking the question again and all that um, oh before I move on as well one thing with heavy RP games I've noticed is combat can be quite narrative as well and tends to be like describing kills and mm. things like that um, so that's just another wee example of a heavier RP. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, and just touching on that as well. If any of your players are talking in character as they're fighting, probably heavy. And the RP side of things, I think most people will, will fall in. I was going to say the trap, but it depends on what kind of game you're trying to run. Of going, right, do a roll, right this, this, and then just describing what's happening rather than using the character's voice in the middle of combat, so to speak. Uh, first time I realised I ran RP heavy combats was when the, the guys get a triple kill and they tore the big bad guy up and they all were screaming their names and their kind of group name and stuff at like four in the morning. And I was like, oh, I've just taken it to the next level, man. And I didn't realise. Um, but you'll probably find as well, some games will focus, or some GMs will focus, or groups will focus more on RP heavier RP at different times and certain things like travelling might not really be RP'd at all in some cases uh, I've mentioned my thoughts on travelling before, I think in the travelling episode I think that's actually out so far um, So, but we have covered that so I won't go much more into that um, No, well if we've not it's oh, coming yeah. so I think we have 
Uh, I remember yeah, talking about it. Yeah. But I don't know if it's out yet. So we'll just see. So just keep your eye out for that one if you've not seen it. And hit the notification bell if, if you want to see it and it's not out yet. So just make sure to do that. Um, so yeah, anyway, going back to how to structure your game in ways that can facilitate RP. I think for me, the first rule, it's the first thing to do. And we've talked about communicating a thousand times before. But that's, again, like the first step to that. And it's make sure people are actually interested in doing a heavy RP game. Um, and if they don't know what that means, say that to them. And if you get a sense that maybe they're not sure or you're getting half yes, half no, then just fluctuate between the two and you can role play heavily with certain people. Mm-hmm. As long as you're conscientious about people that don't want to do that and you're not leaving them out of your game, then yeah. you can mix and, and, elast- and be elastic between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the thing is as well, like obviously... Depends on what your individual situation is, but like we've said in previous episodes, like Jordan's just said there, talking is probably going to solve whatever issues you're having, um, and I don't think we'll ever be able to drive that point home enough unless we get t-shirts printed up or something. Or head tattoos. Yeah, or or that, yeah. Remember, we need to get it in reverse, though, aye, so that we, we can see it as well to remind everybody. <laughs> and the um, lens. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you are wanting to create a game or you're already running a game and you want more RP in it, again, talk to everybody, figure out where they're at and figure out if it's something that they want to do. Flip side, if you're playing a game and you've got a DM or GM or whatever and you want them to be giving you a little bit more role play so that you can indulge in that yourself then talk to them about it as well you know it's, it's going to work both ways so depending on what your situation is it's it's still a valid thing to get talking about it and figure out yeah. what you want to do moving forward yeah it's not like the same severity but the same way that you might approach players or a group of players about the content of the game maybe it's something that could be triggering like for example i'm potentially going to be running oh i'm going to shout the name out it's a grindhouse grindhouse (laughs) ultimate collection it's a series of games on the miskatonic repository for call of cthulhu they're very much in the theme of grindhouse horror films and these tend to be super violent you know and all that stuff so with players i'm going to be giving them a wee trigger warning about it but if you're working with a new group or you're running a game for with a new group, um, it's worth just checking in a similar way, but obviously the severity in anywhere near is like is bad. But just checking them are people up for it. And if you're not sure what sort of game you're getting into as a player, you can just ask the GM, like, is this gonna be RP heavy? Is it gonna be a mix? Just whatever. Uh, and the reason it's so important to do that is because you want to make sure that nobody's gonna feel awkward or, or embarrassed. Um I get loads of people, especially with one of my groups. People cycle out, almost like you get special guests that pop in and out because they might not play and they're only just playing because they've heard it's fun, you know, so things like that happen too. And so you want to make sure that people are kind of knowing what they're getting in for, I think is probably the main reason. Um, There's certain certain groups I wouldn't want to heavy RP because I know that probably means about four hours of figuring out what direction you're going. So in a night, but there's other players I love doing it, you know, so it's worth just checking it by people is really my main point with that. Yeah, um, and again, that's that's a good enough point that, yeah, uh, again, you you might be the person out there that's sitting offended behind, behind, <laughs> you know, your screen there that's sitting going, but, but 
that's the best part about role playing. We get to take four hours to decide to go north. You know, yeah, okay, if that's if that level of detail is something that you're into or your group's into, great. But I think for most people, when you start to break it down to that point, then it starts to lose what it's about, which is you know, to kind of give you that little bit of escapism and stuff, but when you're actively having to plan travel as a character, talking to another person who's acting in character, who you're then relaying with the GM to try and find a solution for transport, and then it starts to slow and kind of grind down. Yeah, I mean, obviously... We're a, a wee bit exaggerating when we speak about North, but I have been part of games, not ones that I've run, but certainly some I've played at the local comic shop, where that's something either I've experienced it or people I know that do a lot of role-playing games have experienced cases where uh, some groups want super granular info. Like, if they're travelling North, for example, they want to know the roads, they want to know the, 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 the branching-off paths... They want to know it all. Whereas, like, if I run Cursor Strad, I don't. I think there's a map out there that tells you the the time it takes between each location and then Strad. Just in mm. case you don't know, you're supposed to roll every whatever it is thirty minutes or something that they're on the road for mm. a random encounter. Um, I don't tend to do that because players want to get to point A from point A to B, but others would want to go through that level of detail. So it's worth just figuring it out, even from that perspective. It makes it sets you up or sets your expectations as a GM about what sort of game that you'll need to bring to the table. But it also means that other players, if they're not into that, then you can basically save their pain um, from mm. actually needing to push them through all of that. Um, so I think then in terms of also setting up your um, structure, uh, sorry, structuring a game in a way that helps facilitate heavier RP, we've actually probably touched some of the, the stuff already. Mm. Um, just a couple of the ones that jumped to me right now is like addressing people in their character's name, for example. What yeah. does uh, what does Chromier do in this moment? Jordan, I'd be like, well, I rage. <laughs> I get angry um, and then do my thing. So stuff like that is a kind of simple way to do it, mm. uh, just because people will start to talk in the first person if they're doing it, um, or if they're immersed enough, they'll do it in the first person. Yeah. And but, I think although that might seem obvious and although it might seem really simple, I think it's it's so, so, so easy, especially if it's a group that you've mm -hmm. known for a long time or you're particularly close with to just go by default and use their name rather than the character's name because, like for us, we've known each other for years. That mm -hmm. it's... It can sometimes be hard to click into the character because you're so used to spending time with each other that you have to physically bully yourself and force yourself into doing that but if you if you do that enough then the longer the night goes on the easier it becomes and then the kind of more natural the kind of RP elements become I think yeah totally even from that combat perspective there like I'd do this depending on how late the combat is going on but when we were playing these dwarf characters you know, I would describe getting angry and running in and taking slices. Now, very experienced players who want to do deep role play probably won't say, I'm going to rage. Now, they might, mm -hmm. for the GM's perspective, um, but, uh, sorry, um, benefit, sorry, GM's benefit, mm -hmm. but um, they might just describe what they're doing, you know, and then people know what they're doing, you know. So I've seen games where almost a zero jargon, 
but that's a yeah. whole different thing. That's a whole <clears> level of both knowledge and commitment in a game, I think. Yeah, yeah, and again, if something like that's happening, then you need either a switched-on GM to read between the lines or a GM that trusts the players to know their abilities and you know all that sort of stuff in the detail or if you've got a GM that's a bit unsure rather than going and breaking the rhythm of that so again like if it's a barbarian and they're raging and they're sat at a table and an argument's happening and they're about to initiate combat that rather than like Jordan saying going I am going to rage and making it as obvious as that and blurting out that statement that what they do is when they're talking they talk about throwing the table over and then start whatever the bit of combat is so they're actually you know they're physically describing something that is you know causing anger and blah 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 and again if there's GMs there and they're a bit unsure whether they have triggered that or if they haven't triggered it and just you know a sentence for clarification then you'll get a yes or a no and then just carry on with everything as is. Yeah, probably the most common version of like heavier role-playing I've seen saying is, I mean, the basic version of raging would just say, I'm going to rage and that's it. Whereas a heavier role-play version would describe, they'd describe themselves getting raging and then just say, oh, I'm using rage. And, you know, they'll still <clears> do that. So they'll basically, they'll, they'll favour the narrative over over the, the technical, whereas very light role. I've seen games that was like, I'm going to do my two attacks uh, with Great Weapon Master, I've done this a thousand times. Great Weapon Master, reckless attack, do this, uh, and we're just because there's so much stuff we're doing in combat. Mm-hmm. That's not very heavy RP, but it's just something for the expediency that we do that. Whereas somebody might actually describe all that first and then put the footnote mm-hmm. almost to see what they've done. Um, and that's something that if you are running a heavier RP game, you can start to encourage that way of thinking that if an NPC is giving you something or maybe they bump into you somehow, the GM might describe them going into their bag and, you know, opening up the buckles they see inside, there's various things in here. Uh, they pull out some a bag of kind of hefty-looking things that jingle. Uh, it's a pack It's a pack of gold... Uh, hold on. It's a pack of gold coins and they give it to you, you know. So that's a heavier RP version. It's hard to do it on the fly. It's a heavier... That's a heavier RP version of just saying the guy gives you 100 gold, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the kind of difference. But if you want to facilitate mm-hmm. that heavier RP... It's always better just to think of it like a, like you're trying to describe the scene to your players, basically, and you'll probably fall into the heavier RP moments when you describe these things. Um, yeah, anything else? No, nothing else. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, so I think the other thing to do then is, I'm trying to think, so you can one way to try and encourage it, because people, if they're new to it or they're not comfortable with it, is they'll probably not fall into their character's per- first person you know they won't be in their character so to speak um, so one way to do that is encourage players by calling them out by their name like I've done that during Alien um, what's your name? John Wilson what, John Wilson what are you doing? Corporate agent um, so you know calling things like that uh, and people start to go well I'm going to do this because mm-hmm. even just relabeling your players at the table it starts to make them go oh they start to refer so I guess it's a Pavlov's dog type thing mm-hmm. you know, people start responding to their names yeah just you've said that just popped into my head there uh, one of the platforms that we use if we're not in person and sometimes when mm. we're in person as well because it's good for maps and things rather than tables getting cluttered is Roll20 on Roll20 if nobody knows this you can change your display name at the bottom on the game 
what we normally do is change it to the character names and again helps RP because rather than try to remember what the character is going back to what we were saying that if you know somebody really well the, the impulse is to use their name you've got the character name sitting right underneath their face and it's easier to kind of click into that but yeah no you can even do that in things like zoom we are doing yep. that right now for the delta green mm-hmm. game that we're doing so it's just a handy way even just to remember names because you know what it's like i've had games of nine players and i'm going i know half of these character names and i still in the moment you just can't i just can't find it because i'm in the middle of combat or whatever it is but that's just a nice simple way to encourage a bit of role play especially when people start referring like to i versus you know chromia does this you know mm-hmm. So I think as well then, uh, as probably the main things, but one thing I would also say, the last thing to encourage role play, especially if somebody gets into it and you're wanting a heavier role play game, uh, is to reward people for doing good role play. And some of the stuff I think should normally grant a good wee inspiration or something as a challenging converse- conversation or a kind of... I'll, let's say a player's doing some persuasive techniques on a, a kind of hostile player, you know, having that role play conversation act out, let's say that he's you as a GM and your player engaged or players are engaged in it and they do a great job, they bring up good points, they stay in character, they, they, they just mail it as a group. Definitely reward it because it will encourage people to do it. What I would say though is if you're going to do that, make sure that um, if there's someone there that isn't maybe heavy role playing, but they're part of the scene, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they're not comfortable with it, mm-hmm. I would still reward them too with it, because if you don't do that, then you're going to start to exclude people. Uh, there's games I've been part of where if you don't read the GM's lore sheets that it'll send out, it's like you don't get inspiration, and it's just a weird... I get that the, the guy wants to have an immersive world, mm-hmm. but what that means is anybody that's either too busy... And I get if they can't be bothered, then why you're rewarding them. But there's a lot of cases where people are just too busy for that. They're, mm-hmm. they're not there to negotiate the terms of their gods with, with the GM, you know, whereas the people that are too busy get penalised in that case. Yeah. So try and make sure you're not doing that at your table yeah. if you're rewarding heavy RP. Yeah, and, and basically that's the thing. There's the danger that you can end up... The danger that a reward ends up being perceived at the very least as like being left out or being excluded or you know whatever so it's 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 a good idea and if you do it right it's Mm -hmm. going to work well but again the, the main thing is that if you've got all your players they're all of a similar level of kind of confidence to each other you know they're all you know, none of them are more introverted than any other one. And if they're all up for doing role play at the same sort of level, then when you start giving out that reward, then everybody else is then going to go, mm, right, well, they managed to get something there. So if I up that a little bit, I might get something. And gradually they'll all encourage each other to do a little bit more as well as that reward being there. But if you've got somebody who's... I, th- I don't know if you've got somebody who's a public speaker there at your group and then you've got somebody who's you know a quiet librarian or whatever no offense to any librarians out there that are watching or listening but if you've got that kind of difference in and in, in how outgoing they are then the danger is that the person who is more confident keeps doing more and more and more and more and the person who's 
quiet and shy is doing less and less and less and less. Yeah, I think that's some, that's a good point because there's times where, like even as a player, you could encourage other players to speak as, in role play, like if let's say there's a shyer person, that's a good point with shyer people. We'll maybe come on to them soon, but yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's really for... Like, you're playing the game together. That's the point. So if another player's encouraged, as well as the GM's rewarding people for RP, and then other players are asking maybe less roleplay people, uh, people less into roleplay, and encouraging that, it's a way to just boost a bit of confidence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that that means, like, what to do is don't penalise people for not doing it. If they don't do a voice, don't take the rip out of them for not doing a voice. Mm-hmm. Don't take the rip out of them because they're not, like, super engaged in roleplay people listening might think that that doesn't happen. I've actually seen it happen and it's really weird to me that people do that because you're there to play a game at the end of the day. Um, so make sh- just don't take the rip out of people either because that's one way that you'll totally ruin. Even somebody that's comfortable doing it, you could totally ruin their confidence, hmm. especially with that group in terms of heavier role-playing. So that, that's just something that's worth saying, especially hmm. with that case where somebody might be less outgoing they don't need to do it. You just push or you encourage it to a point, but don't drag it out. If somebody's like, well, if you say to them, if, let's say a um, shyer person, like you ask them what they want to do, and they say, oh, I'm going to go over there and open the door. You know, or they, they just say something that's maybe not super role play. Or maybe they say, oh, I tell, I ask the guy for passage through the door. Um, let's say a guard's at the door and he's, he's saying he can't get in. So well, I want to ask him if we can get in because we're supposed to be there. <clears throat> You know, you can say, well, how does your character word that? And they might try to word it. And if they do, then you're encouraging role play. But if they don't, they say, well, I'm not sure what to say. You know, well, don't push. Just let them get the point across. And then you can either kind of summarise what they might have said in character or you just you just continue with the guard. And don't don't keep pushing people like that because they don't, they're there to have fun. And mm-hmm. for the most part... You know, might might not even be they're too shy to role play. They just might not like it. You know, they might enjoy watching it, but they don't like doing it. You know, I mm-hmm. certainly like that with voices. <clears throat> I'm not good at them. I sort of don't tend to do them anymore. Um, or I'm starting to do them more. But in the past, sorry, I didn't tend to do them because I'm not yeah. good at them. Mm-hmm. Can I hold an accent? And I get taken the rip out off of our pals um, that we normally play with because that my accent goes like up and down. It changes from German to something. Well, I'm saying German. Who knows what it was supposed to be in the first instance. Um, but anyway, so that's a mm-hmm. last thing. So I think then that takes us on to uh, recommendations for what you should have ready for PC. So let's say you're a GM and you're going to run a RP heavy game. What sort of stuff um, do you think that you should probably prep for them? Because I would say heavy roleplay games pro- tend to have a wee bit more prep going on in terms of like the minutia, mm-hmm. the detail. Um, is there anything you can think of? Yeah, so just descriptions and then <laughs> we'll kind of we'll look at different types of description in a little bit of detail and maybe give a wee pointer here or there and again before we go into that and before we talk about it there although you might go <clears throat> and talk about a character and you might talk about stats and figures and you know whatever you've got written down in the character sheet from that point of view and again that's that's good enough for letting everybody else at the table kind of get a feel of what the character's going to be like 
but remember when we are talking about descriptions we're talking about like the kind of appearance we're talking about personality we're talking about all the kind of try to think of a word to, to use it, all, the, all the kind of padding's the wrong word that's the wrong say word say padding for now like basically the narrative parts the, mm. the thing to paint the picture I suppose yeah 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 the, th the thing that's given the character life basically yeah. rather than yeah, the thing that's mechanically getting you through Aye. encounters or whatever so that's that's what we're meaning by description so first thing description of characters that's a good point because if you do a fight like for example mm. I've I've had great moments where we're in an RP heavy game and I've done this and it just cracks me up every time I do it you know sometimes players be like what class are they and it's like well they're How would you know? yeah they're, they're a wizard because they're holding a staff you know whatever like a very light RP game you, you might be mm. fine just talking like that candid it's almost talking mechanical um, versus narrative um, I'm still pretty bad for doing that I mean, you can't help it sometimes. Like, just want to know, what class is that? Because they're kicking my ass. And I, <laughs> I, need, I need any form of clue to try and survive. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I've had games where it's like you see this big guy walking through. He's like big swagger, huge muscles, a big two-handed weapon. Uh, he's going to rage and you go, oh, crap, because you've just been described as mm -hmm. big monster and you're going, this guy's a big dude. So rather than thinking mechanically, players are thinking, they're painting this picture, mm -hmm. what you're, the, the descriptions you're talking about of the, maybe the character's physical appearance, maybe personality, mm -hmm. whatever that is. Yep. Um, and then obviously mechanical talk will come in at some point. So when yep. I hear rage, <laughs> I loved it the first time I threw a barbarian at someone because I think all my baddies, I wouldn't name their stuff. And... Um, but then when I would say rage, because I'm like, I want him to know. And they go, oh, God, we've been fighting this guy and we've been doing half damage the whole time. No, but, um, uh, yeah. Although that, <laughs> do you remember when that got used against us? Um, I, I can't 100% remember the scenario, but our usual kind of group that we both have, uh, we turned up to, it was like a tavern, and there was somebody that, was described as being huge and was described as this and that, you know. Oh, and yeah. You went, oh, my goodness, this is somebody that's a barbarian or a paladin or something. So that's the route that we all went down. And it was only kind of halfway through the fight that we all clicked and went, oh, he's he threw that at us as a trap. He's actually a wizard. Yeah. Oh, no. Turns around with a cup of tea and a tiny wand hides in his massive fist, you know. Um, yeah, that's, I remember that's that. That's practically what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, that's it's ways to make your games a bit more fun. The things I tend to favour more narrative versus jargon or, or mechanical mm. in language, just because it makes the game a bit more immersive by mm. in, by default. You know, um, I think people tend to enjoy that more, even if they're not heavy role players. Um, I, like I said earlier, I tend to fluctuate between you know if somebody's not a big role player or they're new, I don't try and make them say stuff in their character all the time. If they, I know there's somebody that likes roleplay, I'll address them as a character and ask them what their character says and things like that. Um, I find being elastic is probably the best one, but obviously for this case we're talking about full mm -hmm. RP. Um, so yeah, character descriptions is a good one. Yeah, and um, again, physical appearance, colour of hair, height, build, all that sort of I, stuff. The gear they've got on, yeah. you know, it's worth just... The thing is, we've talked about over-prepping and stuff. You also don't want to do that. So basically the way I tend to do it is it's almost like flashcards. I've got a name, get a basic description, I've got basic kind of visible items, and it's like, 
it's, it bears like you know ten words or something, you know, or a name. So let's make it twelve words for the name. Mm. Um, so stuff like that and having that readily readily mm. available can be quite handy. Or use a random character generator. It's awesome for it. I do it all the time. Even my own characters, like the the big dwarf I've played for two years, mm-hmm. random generated character. It was awesome, and he's now still my favourite character I've played. I think bar and, one. And still alive at the time of recording. And I. That's right, at the time of recording, I'm still alive, and may he still be alive when this releases. published. Yeah, when this releases, he better still be alive or it's going to take it down. Um, but yeah. yeah, so have that stuff available to have. And the thing is, you can also wing it, but it will take a bit of time just to get comfortable mm-hmm. winging it. Most of my games now, there's a massive amount of winging it detail. I do tend to have something lined out for players, mm-hmm. but. You know, environments I don't tend to as much. Like Alien, for example, way too many areas for me to remember. So I just would look at the title and I'd see what the key things that were in that room and then I'd just make up the description for the rest of it mm-hmm. um, unless there was any key things that you should know. Um, but again, if you're describing an area, that's another one that you should do. And any key things that players need to know, like broken locked door. Mm-hmm. Eh, sorry, lock, locked door with a broken lock, meaning they can walk in or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, having that stuff at the forefront for you as a GM is going to save you some time. Cursor Strad's an example of that. Lots of places to go into. Yeah. Uh, lots of detail to actually tell players. But the only thing you really need to know is what can players get in here or mm. face in here if there's a threat. So stuff like that is super important to have. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Atmosphere. Details about the atmosphere is important. Mm. Uh, the vibe. I tend to use like f- how you feel. You know, so, oh, you get the feeling that, or it feels like um, this, and I'll describe the feeling, especially if people are already in the first person mode with their characters, you know, talking to them, getting hairs at the back of their neck, when they hear creaks behind them, it gives them, now they might not sit there with hairs at the back of their neck, but they, they get the idea, they get the imagery. Yeah, I know in Alien, we definitely did have a couple moments like that, especially when I did jump scares, um, just screamed and lunged at one of the players, and it was awesome. Um, it was. But it was awesome for me. I don't know about them, but for me it was awesome. So, but that's the sort of stuff when you speak about. So we've talk, talked about characters. So that's descriptions and things. We talked about the areas, just mm-hmm. general. What does it look like? The key things you need to know in the area. I would say atmosphere is super important as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and again, touching on what Jordan's saying there, that if you're starting out and you're wanting to increase the RP, um, mm-hmm. and again, this is going to be more kind of from a a DM GM's point of view with area rather than players. Sure. But, you know, like going back to Jordan's example of the door and starting off and mentioning there's a door there rather than right now you're here and now you're, you know, that you're kind of transporting the players instantly to wherever they've talked about, letting them know there's, there's a door there because the first thing that they're going to do is ask to open the door or check that it's locked. Then your next step up from that is describing the colour of the door. And then your next step up from that is describing what the door is made of. And then, you know, getting into more detail, more detail, more detail. So you can gradually kind of layer Mm -hmm. physical descriptions up the more you're comfortable with doing it. And again, the main thing is just from the DM's point of view, keep, keep the story moving, keep things moving. If you're having to pause to think of a description, then it's not quite there and it's not clicking and it's not natural yet. So just kind of take it back a step or two and just keep working on it. 
I would say I, I would even say in the case of you forget a detail, just make it up. You'll be fine. You know, and I've I've plenty of times like read so let's say I've run mm. Cursor Strad and I miss a very important detail like you stand on the ground and skeletons grab you and I go, Oh crap, I forgot about that bit and then you just go, Well, guess what happens now, folks? And you just go back and do it. Um, certainly talking about layering, maybe there's a wee thing, an episode around narrative and stuff, but we'll, I'll talk about that later. Um, but one thing that I do, like certainly if I'm describing a room, I don't tend to describe everything in the room, even if there's a key item. I don't describe the colours and stuff. I tend to actually say, oh, there's a door, so it's in their head and they know about it. Once they inspect it, they start to get the new info. Um, mostly I do that, so one, it keeps my narrations as kind of efficient as possible because players will have a lot on in their heads um, but it also means that if people need stuff repeated they can explain it so but that's a, the areas is important you know as well um, I think pretty much everything is quite important to try and portray um, I think even sounds is another good one mm-hmm. if you want to immerse players you want to tell them how it sounds yeah. on top of how it feels like if that's at, if that feeling is the atmosphere then the sounds I suppose that fits into atmosphere as well but you know anything like that that you can almost, even feeling of the room, like is it cold? How does that table, uh, the table feel? What does that body feel like if they're doing a medicine check on it? You know, it might be a dry, cold corpse that are touching. That might suggest it's been sucked out of its life or something. So all of that stuff can really help just yeah. layer and layer um, your narrative mm-hmm. points to players. And if they're in character, it can really help the RP experience. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, but talking about or going back to when you're talking about atmosphere, again, probably most people when they're talking about atmosphere will talk about how they feel in yeah. a room or you know a particular situation, and forget about sound. And mm-hmm. it, the thing is, like with all of our senses, you know that's how we experience the worlds, whether it's sight, whether it's sound, whether it's the you know, the feel of temperature, whether it is physical touch itself and so on and so on and so on. So when you're talking about atmosphere, I think don't forget sound. I think it's really easy to skip over it and to go when you walk in the room you feel a sense of dread. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of going back to just a bare mechanical black and white description rather than giving it when you walk in the room it's completely silent when you walk in the floor your feet don't make any sounds of footsteps and you get an overwhelming feeling of dread you know and having that is the very last thing that you drop in the end but you've used all the descriptions to lead and point towards that that actually gives me just an example of, of describing a room. There's a Play the Mark board game which is um, done by, I think it's released by Free League, but I think it's it's Stockholm Cartel or something. Anyway, it's, it's awesome. You should check it out. Um, and it was the game that's inside the, the back of that book, um, just a one shot. And it was one of the areas of that kind of dungeon crawl was in a room full of chains, so I would mm-hmm. describe that stuff. Uh, as they were coming in, the, the kind of dripping of the water, the, the cold wind that comes through, it seems to be tunnelling through somewhere. Um, but eventually there was a event that happened in it. Um, so 
I mean, they were bumping into the chains. I had, you know, the Katira and they could feel the wet kind of mouldy chains banging off them. But then this event happened and everything went completely silent. Like, there was no sound in the whole room. Mm-hmm. And the players were like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is happening right now? And they're like, we're going to get attacked. It turns out there's just some stupid event that you roll on a table. And if you get it, it just makes room silent until they leave. Like, that's all it was. But they were freaking out for, the, like, the next 20 minutes because they are going, we're being chased by a ghost. I don't know why they thought it was a ghost or whatever it was they said. It, it, something that didn't mm. make sense, but I suppose a room going completely silent doesn't, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense either, yeah. Um, but it encourages... Yeah. No, that, that heavy RP, it got them in a place where they were uneasy in every room after that, you know, and it... it, it it worked for the horror theme of the game, so yeah, pr- pretty awesome. So yeah, and again with that, like subverting expectations, you know, you expect sound when you walk in, and then no sound, and then panic. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the last thing then is just uh, we mentioned NPCs, but just have a wee bank of them uh, in case you want to, like, in case players do anything else or try and mm. speak to anyone, because you can't prep for it all. You don't need to have notable NPCs all the time. Just have a bog standard NPC that sits there. Um, as much as I hate needing to buy different books and all that, I prefer just having a book that has everything in it, like one core rule book that's like mm. this thick, like four inches thick for people that are um, listening. Um, but even the DMs so guide, yeah, that is all you need. Size does matter in this case. Um, but uh, yeah, so the DMs guide has a whole bunch. I think I'm sure there's tables in the DMs guide, the Dungeon Master's guide for D and D. Uh, there's an expansion for Pathfinder, for example, the Game Mastery Guide. You can get the Pocketbook Edition for like fifteen pounds. Uh, that has a whole list. It's a whole array of fully developed NPC. Well, it's NPC gallery they call it. So it's full of people. You can just scan through and see what one you think would be best for the players and just give them it. So having something like that available is super handy. Uh, how you do that is up to you. Even if you just want to have a random selection of names, random selection of. Um, personalities mm-hmm. and maybe their wee motivation for that scene just in a random array of them like it's a table of three columns you know just do that but you can find plenty mm-hmm. online yeah, that will do it for you so it's just it's one way to just help encourage or sorry um, add more to your world and it makes players feel more immersed and therefore role play more mm-hmm. in it so yeah, I think that kind of summarises then just some of the recommended things that we would would suggest to actually make your games more role play heavy. We've spoke about the kind of some of the structures that you might put in place, then some of the things we might say, or some of the tools that you might want to use, like an NPC gallery. Mm-hmm. But I would like to move into when to move away from heavy role play because there is times for it, uh, and I've certainly seen it. I think we'll just stick with the obvious one, which was a uh, well, an obvious one for me, especially because I do a lot of horror games. Really nasty scenes is something that I wouldn't make players go through. There's no need for it. You know, we, I think we spoke about the X card and my kind of opinion on that is well, I understand it's just if you feel like you might need to use one, then you're you're not prepping your players mm. enough and or there's stuff in there that really shouldn't really be in there. You know, mm. you know if you're going to do a horrible violence scene, then you can just, you should be skimming over it in detail. Like, anyway, you know, you shouldn't be making players play through that <clears throat> maybe that's a player on player basis but at least all the players I've had there's a lot of violent games but it's never been too violent for players and I won't go over everything um, but nasty scenes is definitely one of the examples I would say 
as soon as you're going into something horrible, let's say it's like a thriller game and people are getting mashed up, you won't make people go through their death in super detail. You're just going to go, and you die, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, it cuts to black and, you know, pull away from the scene. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's one of the examples that I think I've got. Yeah, I, again, it's like Jordan saying, anything that would potentially make a player feel uncomfortable, then yeah. at that point, you know, just go back to mechanical description, get it over and done with, move on to the next thing. That's you, that's you done. Yeah, no need to dwell. And I would say one of the other things as well is, I touched on this earlier, but you might have a table with some people, maybe everyone's big into role playing, but one thing to kind of start either to speed up, to cut ahead, or just to move out of a scene for is where there's some players that maybe you've got a group and you're role-playing very heavily because of a very in-depth conversation that you're having with a player. Don't have that conversation to the point where it starts to exclude the other people at the table. You know, cut ahead. Don't worry about breaking the immersion a wee bit to say, okay, we're going to move to this other scene for mm -hmm. a bit. You know, because I've been in games where I've literally had to sit and bear someone else's conversation. It was worse during COVID, I've got to say, because only one person... Well, when you're playing games online, only one person can speak at a time. So, I mean, we've actually even had it with games that you have private conversations away from others and you're put in a wee private room with the GM, which I understand the use for that. But the fact is, if it's something that someone's going to like, repeat anyway, you're as well just telling everyone in the first instance. But anyway, let's say you have a use for, for doing that. You know, it's worth doing some role play, but make sure you're getting to the point so you're not excluding people. We've had games where we've been out of our conversation because GM and player have been speaking and we've been sitting for 30 minutes. Do you know what I mean? And I think we're pretty sure we checked in, like, can we come in yet? No. Um, so, you know, it's like, that is a time, I think, cut to the chase. If you start to lose people, and you can see it at your table, um, and if you're online, it's harder to see, but... Don't put yourself in a position where you're doing that in the first place, I would say. There's definitely ways to summarise that info. Yeah, yeah, and again, just pretty much exactly what you're saying. If it gets, as a DM, right, again, you want everything to be immersive. You don't want to be checking your notes a lot or you don't want to be pausing a lot and sitting thinking to then come up with an answer. You want everything to have flow and again we've talked about that before and again it's another point that you'll hear us talking about a lot so if you are going to ever take anybody into a private conversations whether that's electronic through Roll 20 or something else or whether it's you know you're physically there so you and the other person leave the room or the other players that are there get up and go do what they're doing whatever have a quick glance at the time, go through whatever it is you're doing, and then have a little glance at the time at some point in when you feel the urge to check it, and don't don't let that go on too long. I think I can a hundred percent remember. I think the longest we've ever been outside of a conversation was it was probably about thirty so much, or was it more? think it was more because I think I then after being out oh, for a while yeah. decided to check the time and I wasn't sure when we left and then however long later I checked and at that point it was 30 minutes so I reckon we were 
I reckon we were a good 45 minutes plus in it wasn't like at that point it was getting near a time where there was a natural point for taking a break. It was relatively early on for the game. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's and it meant that we were sitting kind of... And, and the problem with that as well is and from from the, the players that are outside the game at that point, the, the players that are there, they will be talking about the game at first because they're going, oh, I wonder what they're talking about. Oh, I wonder how this is going to affect the game. And you're you're trying to figure out what's going on. But you can <laughs> you can only do that for so long. And then it's you don't have any new information. You've already came up with your theories. And then you start moving on to regular conversation. So it breaks the immersion for everybody else who's out with that if it goes on too long. If it's short enough, then they're coming up with their theories and things and they're trying to figure out what they want to do next. It's fine. They're still involved. They're still in the mode of the game. But if it starts to drag on, then they're going to start talking about what the weather's like or whatever. You know, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to spiral. Yeah, I would basically say in the case of, like, if you're needing to roleplay heavily with someone in a, a particular character, you know, even with the tables there... It's worth just making sure that you're checking in and cutting away and seeing what these other characters are up to. And if they say, oh, no, nothing now, we're happy to listen. That's, some people will say, I'm happy to listen to it. That's cool. In the case of secret information, I would say, if it's something that the character is going to tell everyone, just do, don't, mm-hmm. don't cut away in the first place. There's no point. Um, but if it is going to be long and they might not tell the other players, they just make it clear that they're not getting told and, t- and let them learn it. Because one thing I've learned from, from some of these private chat kind of stuff as you end up kind of not finding out what was said, you don't really care about what it was, it isn't dramatic for you, you're kind of going, all right, it's getting late, you know. Whereas I've had stuff with other players, they have, oh, just something really awesome happened in a recent game, I can't tell you what it is uh, in case we do it, but um, we are, you know, we are hearing what this one character has to hear. So, I mean, trust your players, we know that we are hearing stuff we shouldn't know but we are getting to enjoy everything that's happening, mm-hmm. you know. So even though it's not RP for my character, it becomes a movie for us to watch when yeah. we've got a good role player and a good uh, GM role playing as well. So anyway, so that stuff, that's, I would say, another time when to cut away from doing super RP, right? whether it be cutting to someone else doing RP or just summarising it using kind of lighter narrative is when you're actually losing people at the table or taking more than like five minutes to describe one thing to someone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that's maybe a time to do that. Um, I think then, speaking actually of the, the back and forth, a good time to realise when to wrap it up or move away from, like wrap it up, I, when I say that, I mean like summarise the finishing part of the conversation or cutting to the chase, what you want out of this conversation mm-hmm. or what you after. Um, either doing that or jumping to someone else for RP is when you're finding, like if you're a GM speaking to a player, if they're struggling to think of what their character might say, you know, if they're struggling with that aspect of it, don't force them to need to sit there and scratch their head and sweat under the pressure of the spotlight. Let them just say what they're after. You know, they might not have the words, but they might say, well, I've had this in games where I'm trying to hack into something or I'm trying to persuade someone to let me up to a terminal so I can plug in a USB and hack, you know, whatever it may be. I'm trying to think of that cyberpunk game. Um, 
Because I might not have the like the personality of my characters, and I might not have the um, knowledge of the world. Star Trek is a perfect mm-hmm. example of this. When I was the captain of the ship, yeah. I've never seen a Star Trek episode in my damn life, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm now in a position where I need to role play this character, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I found the conversation pretty hard to actually sustain. So, mm-hmm. and I th- I'm sure the guy that was running the game recognised it. I don't remember ever feeling, oh my God, just this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I do remember that this is something that the guy recognised it and then said, okay, well, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to tell mm-hmm. this other commander? Uh, and then just, it would then eventually chalk down mm-hmm. to a role. Um, so just being aware of that, I think it's important. Yeah, and on that note, I think... Like my memory of what Jordan done is rather than I, think I said, what the hell? I don't know what I'm doing, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, you done that when we were, we were pausing and taking a break. But That's what, my memory of what Jordan done is kind of going back to what he said earlier on that when he's running things, he tries to avoid jargon as much as possible so that everybody can kind of be on in a level playing field and and enjoy the game. When you were there as the captain of the ship rather than going down the jargon route because you've got absolutely no clue about what the world is like. He kept everything general, so it was, you know, talking to individual characters and asking them to do something or relaying that to the the GM that he wanted the entire crew to be doing this, that, that, whatever. So it was all kept in kind of standard English mm-hmm. and then from that point the GM then picked it up and then took the more specific details or the particular areas of the ship or you know whatever from that point forward so it meant that you were still engaging with the role play and stuff but you were doing it in your term Do you know that's an interesting point because I'm sure because stuff that I tend to do especially with shyer players I might kind of reiterate what they've decided to do but I'll then frame it in something that fits like so other people that are role playing can kind of keep in that role play space and I'm sure that that's what the guy was doing actually it's probably something I picked up maybe from him and it would be like okay you're turning the phasers to kill or whatever it is I don't know but you know it's like all that sort of stuff where he will basically say this is what you've done and I'll be like that's what I did but he'll say it in a language that it, it fits the Star Trek universe because I don't know a flaming thing about it quite mm-hmm. frankly not that I don't like Star Trek I just don't tend to do a lot of sci-fi unless it's mm-hmm. like horror like aliens like sci- my sort of sci-fi yeah. but anyway so I think the last thing and we've touched on this and this will take us into a good segue is shy players the only thing I have to say about this is if you've got a shy player you can give them kind of the little bits the encouragement maybe other players are doing it mm-hmm. like you can encourage them to do it but if they're not engaging with the role play or they're having a really hard time just give them a break and just pull pull the brakes off when I say jargon generally I mean like game jargon like mm-hmm. mechanical stuff like actions and bonus actions that's what I mean by jargon mm-hmm. so maybe you're better using some of these terms for a shy player who's sitting Maybe learning the game for the first time, which I've seen before. They're sitting there and they're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, and I'm saying, well, what would you like to do uh, on your turn? For example, you have an action, you know, you can attack, you can you can interact with something, whatever. Mm. And you can go, oh, well, I would quite like to attack. You know, then it's like, cool. Like, you can just, you can use the mechanical talk to get them through it. And once they pick up the mm. system, you'll probably find, or at least I've found... Once people know the system well enough, the role play starts to be the focus rather than the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so just cut the guy a break, you know, whoever it is, 
that's struggling with the role playing, maybe quite shy. Don't force them to do it. Just let them move on. Um, yeah. And that's it. So that's yeah. all I've got to say about moving away from uh, role play when it comes to shy players, I think. Yeah, and <clears throat> with somebody who is totally, totally, totally new, I would say use a leading question. Mm-hmm. And if you've got somebody that's a bit more experienced but still maybe a bit shy, then have a, a neutral question. So a leading question, you know, they're they're in a tavern and they're supposed to speak to somebody to find out the location of an abandoned mine where kids have disappeared and you have to go and save them, whatever. Uh, then at that person, when you've got them there, then at that point saying, when they're up to the miner and they're trying to talk to them, go, would you like to offer to buy them a drink to break the ice? And then they'll give you whatever response they want to do at that point. Whereas if you've got somebody that's more experienced, giving them the neutral question of, you've went into the tavern, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. So you're still directing them, but you're just, you know, rather than... (laughs) big neon arrow pointing down at the direction that you want them to go or that they should go, that you're just kind of taking that step back and letting them do their own thing. So you're giving them that little bit little bit more freedom. And then gradually you can just f- remove yourself a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more and let them take the reins and, and take control and do what they're doing. So uh, for somebody that's new and is shy, leading question. For somebody that's got a bit more experience and is shy, keep it a neutral question so that you're still kind of try and engage them and get them going, but you're not you're not having to kind of railroad them as much. Yeah, I mean, even if you get experienced players that are struggling with the role playing, you're not sure why that is. You know, it could be they're maybe confused about the area. You know, there's actually still no harm in doing that. It's just it reminds me of a game I done on Monday. It was actually it was one of those grindhouse games, mm-hmm. and th- there's quite a, there's a huge map in it for a one shot. I was like, really? Like, this is a lot of info, and it's supposed to be for four people. And I played it with one because I was like, well, we want to play it, and we just want to kill some time, and we really wanted to try one, mm-hmm. and it's like the only one I dread at the time. So I played the three other PCs. And my god, that was hard, especially with all the NPCs, like the baddies that was in it. But I played some of the NPC and the, the other PCs, and this guy had done, um, he picked a character. Um, so it just it did become at times, especially because as time went on, we started running at a time. It was hard to even just stick into the role play because there was so much info. So actually saying, well, what would you do if you come into this room and there's no lights? You could look see if there's a light source. You can see that there's some dim lit doorway over there. You could try that and give them rather than saying, "What do you do in this room?" And then they go, "What can I see?" You know, you can just give them some of that info. Um, it's a good. It's actually a very good way to do it, and I do it yeah. all the time. I never even thought about it actually, but mm-hmm. I do it all the time. Yeah, and if you want a heavy RP game and you've got a shy player, scale it back. And again, it might seem obvious, it might not seem obvious, but again, if you've got somebody that's shy, then they're not going to be as comfortable role-playing if they do role-play, or they're just not going to be doing it at all, and it's going to feel really awkward when everybody else is, and, and so on and so on. So with your other players that are more confident or more outgoing or whatever, role-play with them, find their level. But then with the shy person, 
scale it right the way back. So again, with that example of finding a minor and try to save, you know, the kids that have fell down and get stuck. And they turn up, they turn up in the tavern, they start talking to the miner. So you go, right, so you, you talk to the miner, he gives you one of his maps and he says, you know, just watch out for collapses because the mines have been abandoned for years and they've moved on to a new mine which is further out. And give them as much mechanical detail as you need to give them. Maybe give them slightly more to exaggerate mechanical versus role play. And then at the very end, have the miner saying to them, you know, good luck with your journey and I hope you manage to get those kids because, you know, so-and-so doesn't get back and that means that the McCormacks have lost all their children, you know, three to tuberculosis this year alone. Oh, how terrible. Right, good luck. Right, wh whatever your... <laughs> quite dramatic. Whatever your, uh, whatever your situation is, end it with a bit of RP. Because if you end it on it then you might get the person saying thanks that one word doesn't matter but you've got them from going from zero to something then next time when you do it stick to the same strategy but just a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more or in the end of your bit of rp rather than a goodbye that you're ending with the character make it a question Get your response, then give it a goodbye, then that's your good two bits of RP from them and gradually build and build and build and build. So scale it back and then build it up. Yeah, that we've, we've transitioned into like encouraging shy players, which I think is probably the harder thing to do. Yeah. A lot of more, even if people don't do role playing mm -hmm. games, confident people that are in like, like the idea of mm -hmm. it. Or at least, when I say shy, maybe I also mean people that would cringe at the idea mm -hmm. of it, regardless of where they sit. People re reluctant or resistant to doing mm -hmm. RP. Um, others might be into it. They tend to just go in with gusto and just mm -hmm. have fun and they have a lot of, they have a blast. The guys I do in introduce to D&D, &D, whatever, a year and a bit ago now, that are now obsessed of all but handbooks and stuff, and I'm going, I've created monsters. But all of them, or some of them weren't people that would like RP. Oh, I know they're level. I think they're like nine or ten. Other ten, but CR works different than D and D. How the CR works, it's something to do with a mix of spells. But no idea. They can beat CR twenty if they if they try hard enough. It's, but... it's just a joke. You've created monsters. What's the CR oh, level? I wasn't listening. I was on another planet. <laughs> they're all monsters. Um, but they they get into it. You know, some of them weren't that into role play, but now they all do it. And they're actually a lot of fun. Like even the, the thing is, here's the thing about role playing games: you don't actually need to be good at role play to have fun. And that's something mm -hmm. that I think uh, is something just to remember with deeper role playing games or in depth role playing games. Mm -hmm. Don't worry if somebody's not that good at it, you shouldn't penalise them for it. Let they're having fun. And when it comes to shy players or people mm -hmm. reluctant to do it, we've spoke already about some of them. But just to kind of capture them again, just for under this topic. Leading questions, that's actually a very good one. Leading mm -hmm. questions can help. Maybe just describing going into the room, we talked about the feelings mm -hmm. and all of that stuff, and maybe finishing it with a couple of prompts. You know, maybe even if it's not a leading question, some prompts can help. doesn't need to be, like, the right prompt all the time, but, mm -hmm. you know, things to make players start to think are a couple of options, good way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, addressing them by their name's a good one. Uh, and we talked about rewarding players earlier, 
but I think rewarding shy people with the equivalent of um, inspiration mm-hmm. is a really good way to, to help encourage um, role play because other players will start to see it too and even people that are okay with it but they might be like oh I want to try and get I want to try and get some inspiration mm-hmm. and then they'll start to do it mm-hmm. um, but it's a nice way just to get people moving in getting used to it, maybe loosening up the joints for role play mm-hmm. um I, I just think it's a really good way to do it because the yeah. thing is, for the most part, unless they're reluctant to role play because they like they don't like the idea of it, in which case then you just keep it lighter for them. But if it's purely <clears> because <throat> of shyness, then you want to just give them little bits of positive reinforcement all the yeah. time. Not like you're trying to mould them into a big role player, mm-hmm. but you want to just make sure they're having fun with it and just loosening up a bit because it's a lot of fun. And I found I think every single person that I've introduced to role playing. You know, even people that maybe have never done it or been interested in it, they've learned how social the, the actual hobby is, particularly tabletop mm-hmm. role playing. I mean, um, very social, and people just tend to have a blast at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and again, when it, we've talked about rewarding players, and and that's the thing. Like when you say rewarding players, everybody thinks cash money, yeah, or they think shiny objects, or you know, whatever. Something as simple in as... In-game cash money, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... Imagine slipping move. a tenner at a table. That's a nice answer you gave me. Now, uh, everybody's turning up to that guy's games. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're lavish enough to give your players real money uh, or in-game money or whatever, see something as simple as inspiration. I mean, that potentially could do more for somebody than money. Because it's going to give you a mechanical benefit at some point in the game, and that could be enough to save the skin of their character. Yeah, and they can drop that whenever you want. Pathfinder has hero points, D&D has inspiration, Alien has story points. Mm. Uh, I don't think we ever used them now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Cthulhu doesn't really have anything like that, I don't think. There's no harm in saying, ah, you can keep a bonus die. You know, you can just do it, even if the game doesn't have a mechanical thing for it. Yeah, borrow... Borrow the concept. Borrow it. Inspiration's yeah. a great co- concept to use. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really good one. Um, what's it called? Warhammer has wrath, glory point, no, wrath mm-hmm. points and stuff like that. It's, it's a great way for rewarding players. I would say it's a, it's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say then, as well, and this is particularly for the shy people or people that are a wee bit nervous about role-playing for whatever other reason, Assure them that they don't actually need to do the big role play. They might be sitting at the table, you might have a whole bunch, let's say there's a group of six of you, right? And so there's five players and you're the GM. Four of them might be like super into role play, but there's one person that's kind of twiddling their thumbs and just a bit nervous about the whole thing. No, you can just assure them that you just talk to them in kind of more gamey speak rather than character speak and encourage them even before the game. You don't have to do a voice. Mm. You know, I hate, I've had people say you have to do a voice. We're all from this place. So you've got to do an accent because it's like an England-themed game, although it's mm-hmm. fantasy. I'm going, no, I just don't want to because I'm not good at voices. So I just don't want to do it, you know. Um, so but I, honestly, I've been at the receiving end of being forced into kind of doing it and then you kind of get slagged off when I'm not very good at it. So, and we've said, don't slide people off. So definitely for shy players, don't slide them off. Yeah. They might not even come back to your game. But mm-hmm. um, just make sure that, you know, if, some, if it's a shyer player... Just assure them that it's fine. They can just tell you what they're after. Like, the mm-hmm. intent, effectively, as much as yeah. I, I try not to use that in my games, what's your intent? 
Uh, but you could always just say the main thing you need to know is a GM. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm talking to a shy player. Let's say Jamie, you're shy. It's like, okay, all I need to know is like what you're trying to do. You know, that's it. Like that's it. What are you doing? And then you can process it and translate it into speak that the role players will enjoy. Yeah. Simple as that. And then you'll find, I'm sure over time, I don't think I've seen anyone that didn't like role playing, like acting out at the table, that didn't do a decent amount of it after several games. I think everybody mm-hmm. I know, even if they don't role play super heavily, they still engage with it. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just like Jordan saying, again, it's another way of scaling it back. But you just literally break it down to what you want to do, then when they tell you, then you put the little bit of RP on it, and then eventually at some point, after seeing you do that however many times, they then might offer a little bit of RP with mainly a mechanical description, and then again, it's something that you can build and you can work on from that. But but yeah, talking about RP and encouraging shy players and things I was one of those players not so much that I would describe myself as being shy but like that actual kind of being another character thing and stuff even just now it's not that it's not that I'm uncomfortable doing it or it's not that I struggle to do it it's just I find it takes me a little bit of time to kind of sink into the kind of the game, the world, whatever, and then after however long of that, then I can kind of find my rhythm a little bit and do it. So even now, I'm still, I can still struggle a wee bit with it, and I would certainly not class myself as an expert, despite the fact that I'm partial to a voice every now and then. Yeah, I mean, you do more voices than I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't do it. I tend to be okay with getting into character and stuff, uh, but I've also run so many games now that it's mm-hmm. just kind of like I'm just used to it. Um, although it can be hard jumping between characters mid GM and like the one that I was talking about earlier, the Cthulhu Grindhouse game that had like f- um, had three piece or oh, supposed to be three PCs I was running plus multiple adversaries. You know I'm going, oh god, what am I supposed to do? Um, but overall, I mean that's kind of do you know I was actually going to have a section here for horror stories, but I covered some of the bad ones like being slagged rotten for not doing an English accent, so. I, I don't have any horror stories, but have you actually? I'm thinking, uh, speaking of a, I like the whole role play aspect. Have you had any times? Probably not really, because I can't think of any for you that you've maybe had a bad experience, maybe trying to role play or anything like that. Is there anything you can share from that side? I've shared a couple of mine, but I can't think of anything specific really. Um... I, I can't think of anything specific. I, I kind of can vaguely remember a game, and I can't even remember what the game was. I can't remember what the character was or anything about it. That's how vague this memory is. And I decided that I was going to do a voice for the character. But the voice that I was doing at the start wasn't the same as the voice oh, five yeah. minutes in, which wasn't the same as the voice in the middle. And, and because of that, it annoyed me and it got in my head, which meant that rather than just kind of making my peace with it and going, the, the voice is going to be all over the place, but yeah, well, forget about it, who cares? I spent more time 
trying to fix that <laughs> that and then engaging with the game which meant I was kind of out with the story which meant I was missing bits mm-hmm. which then meant ultimately I didn't enjoy the game but that was basically because I was I was too busy giving myself around it was it was about me and my ego about it rather than just enjoying it and what was going on but that really it wasn't a, a bad experience or it wasn't like traumatic or anything that wasn't anything dramatic to talk about it was just it was just something so 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 silly that just distracted me and then it meant that I just mm-hmm. lost the rhythm of the game um, yeah and again that's the thing as well don't like with voices and stuff learn from me don't think you need to do that because if you end up doing what I done which is spend more time trying to do a voice than actually playing the game then you're going to miss most of it and you're just you're not going to have fun because you're going to be too focused and try to do that yeah I think that's even times where if you're a GM and you're seeing someone struggle with a voice like just the way to almost resolve that or try and limit like any self-flagellation you'll be doing as a result of like just having a, a iffy voice stuff you know I've seen it and I'm like you don't need to do a voice it might be bad it's like I don't care you're still doing cool even if it's a crap voice I don't care it's cool that they're doing it at the table in cases like me where it's like you've got to speak in this accent I'm like I don't want to you know I did my best and I get slide for it. Now that's the way that cause that could have been resolved was just either not enforcing it or just not mm-hmm. slagging people for a dodgy accent, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's plenty of things like that. So general though, it's pretty much common sense. Anything we've spoke about today is, you know, as long as you're not penalising or slagging folk, mm-hmm. you know, or making them stick out because they're not doing voices or role playing, then you're pretty much fine. I mean, play, people will, I think, naturally start to role play <clears> the more comfortable they get with the system even each other and their character mm-hmm. I would say um, so yeah general rule of thumb don't make your players sad yeah don't make them sad and speak to them and make sure and well, if they know that what they're getting into in the first place then maybe they'll be more uh, used to, they'll be more up for the idea of role play like that goes back <laughs> to the first point I suppose but um, anyway I think that just about summarises everything so I think then it's just really us. I think the only thing left to say is just to mention the socials. Yeah, so going back to the questions earlier on, so if you want to give us your thoughts on RP and how extreme it's been in your games or, you know, if you've had any bad experiences, just whilst we've been talking about that, I don't think, did we ask about bad experiences at the start? No. Nope. Well, if you've had so. a bad experience, let us know. If you've had good experiences, let us know as well. So you can do that through Facebook. You can do it through Twitter. We've got Discord kicking about there as well. You can do that. Uh, there's comments underneath in YouTube. We run questions normally on the, uh, the podcast on Spotify, Spotify if you're yeah. there. Um, and... I suppose you could leave us a little comment and direct message on Instagram as well if that floats your boat. So that's all the places you can find us. And if you're, well, presumably you're listening to or watching us on your favourite platform, but there's YouTube, there's Spotify, there's Apple Podcasts, there's Google Podcasts, there's all sorts of different things kicking about there. If you if you go and look, you'll probably find us. Yep, and I think one thing to add as well is if there's any LARPers in the spot in, in podcast land or YouTube I'd actually really be keen to hear from you guys because I've never done LARPing 
I know someone that has, or at least have told us in great extent how much they love it and why they love it. It sounded interesting, but I wonder what a LARP, a LARPer's opinion of some of this would actually be. I'm kind of interested in that because, I mean, you guys are the top level of immersion when it comes well, to roleplay. Probably they're sitting there laughing at us talking. Oh, that's not roleplay. Some, sometimes <laughs> doing a voice makes me uncomfortable. No, sitting good. <laughs> Pass me my battle axe. Right. Well, but then maybe they'll come from a place that they, they knew. They're like, first of all, I would never do that. Same thing with me well, role-playing games. Yeah, I, I would mean, never have done them, and then I played Cthulhu, and I'm now running them like multiple times a week. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, but again, that's the thing as well. Like me, I was... Pretty much, I know we said we were saying bye to everybody, but uh, pretty much the same as well. I didn't think I would get into RPGs and stuff at all. I, I thought mm-hmm. it would be, oh no, I'm going to need to turn up every so often just to kind of appease friends and stuff so that they uh, know what am I doing. And yeah, turns out it's great. Yeah. So with that great note of Jamie finally admitting he likes RPGs, because I think until now you wouldn't, do you still tell people? Do you tell anyone? Have you ever brought up role-playing games? Uh, no. That's a, I was going to say that. We've almost got We've almost got uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the fact that this is now out in the Twitter sphere, that um, probably, it's probably futile have to pay for it, your sins. Yeah, yes, yeah, something like that. I've, I've still got some street cred somewhere. Well, on that complete lie, what we're going to do is we're going to finish the episode there. Thanks for people listening on YouTube. Thanks for anyone listening on Spotify or any other audio-based podcast platform. Uh, the last thing we're just going to say is we can't wait for to hear your guys' responses in whatever form they come in. Even uh, the LARPers. Even the LARPers. And from me, it's thanks for listening and watching, and it's bye from me. Bye from me. <laughs>